Okay. Hi, I'm Allie. I'm an alcoholic. Um, my sobriety date is October 8th, 2016. And my drug of choice is alcohol, but I'll kind of take anything that's offered. Um, I'm going to try not to say um too much. So if I'm doing it, like, point it out. Uh, <laughs> so I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in California. And I'm just going to share a little bit about kind of my background. So, yeah, I grew up Christian uh, to a great family. I didn't really drink to escape any problems. I, I drank, and that created all of my problems. Uh, so I was a pretty, like, awkward kid. When I got to high school, I went to this Catholic private school, and I looked like a Hanson brother. And, um, and I was very, like, boy crazy, but I was terrified to talk to boys. And I remember when I started hanging out with a more popular crowd, I was invited, uh, I was one of three girls that was invited to this party with all 10th grade boys, and then there were three 9th grade girls, and that was it. <laughs> and that was my first uh, experience with alcohol. They had Schmirnoff ice, and I drank three of them, and after the first one, I was able to talk to these boys, and it was just this miracle, and I remember just feeling like I had found a solution and I was I was able to flirt I was able to just have fun and I was on top of the world I threw up that night uh, and I remember someone had told me like drink drink a glass of water when you're going to bed and I remember drinking that glass and I just went to bed so happy and I was like I want to do this again like as soon as possible and so from that weekend on Every weekend, I was on my phone looking for where's the party. I was, like, obsessed with looking forward to that weekend. And I was just obsessed with this idea of, like, getting drunk. Um, so, like, right from the beginning, I was getting in trouble. Um, I keep saying, um, but whatever. <laughs> I was getting in trouble, and... I was doing really embarrassing things, and thank God, I, I, like, think about it now, like, thank God I wasn't a teenager with social media, because I would have been so fucked. I remember one of the, I'm going to share this with you just because you guys have probably done the same shit, but I remember one time, I actually don't remember it, I, I was completely blacked out, but I spent the night at this party, because I had arranged, I had told my parents I was spending the night somewhere else, and when I woke up in the morning, the guys that were there were like, yeah, you you have something you need to clean up. Mm -hmm. And apparently I had pulled down my pants in the middle of the party and peed on the carpet. And they were, and then I passed out, like right next to it. <laughs> and I was staying at this party for some reason, and they were all these football guys, and they were doing like football poses and taking pictures on this disposable camera. And I like heard about it the next day, and I was so embarrassed. And luckily, the the camera like went missing somehow. They thought that I took it, but I didn't. Someone was looking out for me. Uh, <clears throat> but that kind of thing, like when that kind of thing would happen, which it happened a lot, you know, people in high school, of course, they talk, and so there were always like rumors. And I wasn't always the 
I wasn't obviously like the center of the world, though I felt like it. Um, like they talked about other things, but when it was me, I would hide in the library and I would hide in there for like the whole week. And just, I was just so embarrassed. And then once Friday came around, it was like, okay, like, let's just drink. Let's just, like, escape this. So that was high school. Like, literally, it was just drinking all the time. I specifically chose to date people who could make my drinking happen. Like, I dated this older guy whose dad lived in France, so his house was always open to party at. And I never even kissed him. I only was using him um, completely just to have somewhere to drink at. And I, that was definitely a pattern in my drinking was using people. Uh, I never drank alone. Even like later in my drinking career, I always was surrounded by someone. Like It didn't matter who it was. I just, for some reason, I never wanted to drink alone, even if it meant just finding some random person to drink with. And then uh, once I got to um, to college, I you know I started like making de- well back to high school a little bit. I started making really big decisions based on my drinking. Like I was freshman year, I was the standout cross country person at my school, and then sophomore year, I was hung over at the track meets and the cross country meets, and I decided my junior year I wasn't going to run cross country because it interfered. Uh, I decided to go to only, I only applied to um, party schools for college and I went to one, joined a sorority and I was always like the drunkest girl at every event and I would get sent home if I was embarrassing them and uh, eventually I, I ended up going to UC Santa Barbara which is, was at the time one of the biggest party schools in the country and I broke up with my boyfriend right before I went, and I've, that was the first time I had like true freedom, and I really discovered day drinking there, which I just thought was the, the best idea ever. <laughs> the fact that you could drink all day, maybe take a nap, then just power through the night, and then the next day you could do the same exact thing. And that was just, that was completely what I did. I got uh, a minor in possession my first weekend visiting. And then I got too drunk in Publix while I was living there. Um, I was leaving a lingerie party, and I so I woke up in jail in my lingerie. And I was just like, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And when I was actually, I remember, this is the part that I remember the most, is I was in a taxi going home. And the taxi, and I was telling the taxi cab driver all about it. He was this Native American, mm-hmm. and as I like, I had to run inside to get money for him. And when I came back, he handed me an AA like business card, <laughs> and I was just like, "This guy is so funny! Like, I can't believe he thinks I'm an alcoholic. Like, I'm I just like to party. Like, what is so weird? Um, I had been court ordered to go to AA for various like things." But I always went to, like, a meeting that was on campus, so it was all students. And I wasn't really, like, I didn't pay attention at all. I was, like, looking around the room, like, you know, to see who I could, like, party with, basically. So I never actually heard any of the stories. Um, but eventually, I burned a lot of bridges with my roommates. And, I, you know, I was blacking out. One time I blacked out 11 days in a row. And... I stopped I was stopped going to school and 
I ended up doing something really stupid with my roommate's boyfriend, and they kicked me out. And I was just like, I remember I was wandering the streets, like not very long. I'm telling like 20 minutes, and then <laughs> and it was like a Sunday night, and there were these guys playing beer pong, these guys and girls playing beer pong in their front yard, and they were like. They were like, don't drive, come party with us. And I was like, okay. And I stayed with them for two weeks. And, um, but then I ended up burning that bridge down. By do, you know, I peed on their couch and then I, I like, <laughs> you know, I did something like shady. So I was like, then long story short, I was like living in a hotel and I realized like, I need to like, I need to like get help or something like I need to like move home I think and so I called my parents and told them I had an eating disorder and I needed to move home and I did that and uh, when I was home I was trying to do the same thing and eventually they were like look you need to get help for whatever you're doing and so that's when I went into treatment and I remember going to that first AA meeting and I was just like blown away I just felt like I just felt like love in the room and I felt like people were saying and like just even hearing stuff out of the big book it was like oh my god these people drink like I do I don't know why I'm getting emotional um so yeah I kind of like jumped into AA I was just like okay I'm sold because I was 21 and I was just like I know everything, and I very quickly started feeling like I, I had all the answers. Nobody in AA knew what they were talking about. Just very, very quickly, I was like not humble at all. And I started going back to church because I was like, oh, well, clearly the God who I knew like growing up brought me here. And so I started going back to church, and I got really, really into church. Uh, I got so into it that I stopped going to AA, and and then the pendulum kind of swung the other way, and I found this group that was like, it was like anti-Christianity, but it was like, it was basically a cult, and I was very, very involved in that, and so that sort of became my new, like, drug of choice, I guess, and long story short, I went on a trip with them to India, and realized like what was that it was like a cult and when I got back I was just like fuck religion fuck AA like I'm gonna be doing things my own way now and so I I started smoking weed with some people that I worked with I started dating someone that I worked with who she had uh, she always had weed and so I was just like well, I guess I'm going to do this now. I guess I'm going to be a lesbian. And um, I was just like, so it was like Christ, crazy Christian cult, and then it was like lesbian. And, and after that, I started drinking, and that's when I started doing the sh- all the shady behavior again. I ended up like cheating on her with someone else I worked with, and I was just uh, just just kind of like doing some crazy stuff. Um, where am I? Let me see. So the dif- I knew that the difference between this time drinking and my like really wild time drinking was that I couldn't let it look that bad again. Like I had to 
I had to, like, have a mask on this time. I couldn't just be like, I'm the party girl. It was like, no, because the friends that I had knew that I was sober for four years. And so they were sort of like, well, are you an alcoholic or what's going on? And I was like, no, I was just going through, like, people can use whatever uh, when they're going through a hard time. And I just, you know, I was going through a hard time. And, and so I made sure not to ever, like, get arrested again or... Uh, I definitely started, I started using drugs so that I wouldn't get so drunk, but alcohol was definitely always my first love. I would just do cocaine or Molly just so that I could drink more. Um, you guys get it. So, but it was the same exact patterns that I did, like that I was doing, uh, in my late twenties was the same patterns I was doing as a teenager. And so, you know, I was throwing up, I was hooking up with random people. I was using people. I was fucking up all the time. It was always someone else's fault, but I was pretending I had it all together because I was living in San Francisco and I worked for a good company. And, um, let's see. So another kind of thing that I would do is I, I remembered like that giving back would help you feel good. So I, I would go on these like trip like I went on this trip to India to help like these orphanages and then I stayed a week after and was just in India by myself and like I I met the of course I met like the craziest people in India and was do like was just partying with them the entire week and so like the guy that I was with was part of like the Indian mafia and he they had like all these drugs I'd never tried before. And so the trip became like this weird party thing. And it was supposed to be like me going out there and helping people. And so my denial was just really strong because I, I never wanted to have to give up alcohol completely. I just thought that was so extreme of AA to want you to like completely just abstain. Uh, but when I moved to Austin... I moved out here to work for a foster home. Again, I'm trying to, like, help people. But at the foster home, they were, like, after about a week of working there, they were, like, yeah, we actually found something on your record, and we're going to need you to, like, not come on the property anymore. And I was just, like, what Like, what are you talking about? And they, they found some drunken publics from, like, eight years ago. And I was just, like, I thought, uh, like, in my head, I'm just, like, why is this coming up right now? Like, I'm trying to start over. And I had to basically deal with the court system, and I was able to work there again. But in the back of my mind, it was like, is this still a problem? Because I was having really hard days at the foster home, and then I would drink after work and be all hung over the next day. And these kids were taken from their families because their parents were drug addicts and alcoholics. Mm. So it just, like, it wasn't measuring up, and... Finally, for some reason, I went to an AA meeting. Like it had been, it had been probably like eight years since I'd been in an AA meeting, and I, uh, I went to one in Lakeway, and I just completely like it was just first step. It was just like, yeah, like I admit it, like mask off. And when I came to Bolden, I, like, found it on Reddit. I was like, where are the cool meetings in Austin? <laughs> and I found Bolden. And, like, this, to have, like, the laughter and just, like, the comments during the 12 steps, like, like it, was so, it felt so good to laugh again. And uh, 
to just like really dive into the fellowship here because I felt like you guys, I just felt like I belonged and I would stay after and like smoke cigarettes in the back and I I met some like just amazing people here. Uh, The biggest problem I had was I didn't trust a higher power because of the whole cult thing. I was very, very uh, distrusting of that. So you guys told me, like, to ha- make the fellowship your higher power and just, like, follow what people say. So that's what I did. Uh, very quickly, I... So I met a guy here, and um, he was just, like... I was so attracted to the way that he was, like, able to have sober fun. Like, I just was not familiar with how to do that at all and on my birthday I was just like I was back there and I was like I didn't I don't have anything to do on my birthday will anyone hang out with me and he was like I'll hang out with you and him and his roommate took me to blazer tag like that's what I did on my birthday and it was just like I remember it was like such a good birthday because it was like I could just be myself and that I wasn't wearing a mask anymore um but we did start dating and against my sponsor at the time's uh, advice. And so I got a new sponsor. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so I was working the steps with that sponsor, but I was also just like, my first year was so hard. I was just so like consumed with drama. There was just, I was always causing drama or I was like, just being a part of it, especially with the relationship. Like, I didn't know, I wanted to play all these games. Like, I wanted to make him jealous, so I was talking to someone else, and even though I really just wanted to be with him, and just all this stuff. And there was drama with his ex-girlfriend, too, because we all, you know, just when you're in early sobriety, there's just, it's how we are. We just kind of, like, make bad choices sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But what ended up happening was we got pregnant, uh, a couple months after we started dating. And that was, I remember the first place I came when I found out I was pregnant was here, which is pretty cool. Um, Sorry. Yeah, that was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me. And... I was able to talk to someone. I actually, you know, I was able to talk to someone after the meeting. And I was able to get through that and decide that we wanted to have the baby. And just going through all the hormones of being pregnant and in your first year of sobriety was crazy. Like, you know, and then moving in with my boyfriend. And it it was a lot. But... I think, like, the turning point for me, like, since having my baby and and everything like that, I basically, once I had her, I stopped working the steps. I was still going to meetings. I wasn't able to come here as much because I could kind of sense that Bulgin didn't really like babies in meetings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I found one at Westlake. Uh, at Westlake, the 9.15 a.m. meeting, they really like babies there because they're all grandparents. And so, <laughs> uh, so that's where I started going with her. And I learned tricks like, oh, I had to feed her during the entire meeting so that she wouldn't talk. And I still do that, like, whenever I bring her. 
so meetings were always my thing, but at a certain point it was like, okay, I need to be working, working with like a real sponsor because my sponsor kind of became my best friend. So we weren't really working the steps anymore. Um, so I asked one of my friends, I was like, do you have someone who's, who's like a really good sponsor? Like, can you basically set me up? And so I was set up with this amazing sponsor, the one I have now. And, you know, I remember during our second meeting, like the first meeting, it was sort of just get to know each other. But the second meeting, she was like, okay, well, having a baby is no longer an excuse not to work the steps. And it's no longer an excuse not to have sponsees. And I was just like, okay, like this girl's serious. Like she doesn't even have kids and she's telling me this. Uh, But it was really the best thing for me, especially just like sponsoring other people. And, you know, I've always like raised my hand in, in meetings that I can sponsor. But once I became actually open, I felt like God sort of just brought, started bringing people like, um, I had Elizabeth actually texted me like I think a couple days after my sponsor told me that and she was like hey are you expect- accepting sponsees right now and I was just like actually I am <laughs> and so uh, you know that I think is a great way for people to get sponsors and I, I don't think anyone really talks about that but I'm not the most like eloquent speaker so people didn't ever really come up to me and be like can you be my sponsor but this is a great way and it's been just so amazing to work with someone and it's like it's super humbling because it reminds you well one it reminds you that you like if you're asking this of your sponsee then you need to be doing it yourself but it also just reminds you of like of all your all the shit that's happened in your life being used for good like there's a part in the book that talks about that um let's see so yeah, I, I I don't know. Some gifts of the program are definitely I've like I've never really had friends friendships like I have right now, and like I actually want to have character. Like I never really wanted that before. I I just cared about how it looked like. As long as everything looked like it was good and I was getting all the things that I wanted, then that equals a happy life. But now I'm I'm starting to realize that. Like, having character and actually, like, being a good person when no one's watching is actually, like, where the serenity is at and where the, like, true happiness is at. Um, I've gone through some shit in sobriety that, you know, right when I started working with this new sponsor, like, shit really kind of hit the fan in my life, but I was able to, to, like, react with like so much more serenity than than ever before and so I just like I'm so thankful that you know my higher power is looking out for me and I'm I'm definitely trusting my higher power more because of all the stuff that has happened uh so yeah I think that's kind of all I have to say and if we wanted a topic for the meeting um maybe it could be gifts of the program because someone did that the other day and it was a really good meeting. So yeah, that's all I have to share.